I turn on the right, oh, there we go. I hear it. Oh my word, did you guys have all the feels with that? Like, I was like, yay, tears, yay, tears. I mean, no, y'all are very quiet. Did this get you guys too serious? Because I'm not feeling all that serious yet. Not yet. <laughs> Woo. Oh my word. All right, so I've decided that I don't need like a podium. I need a table. Like, <laughs> it's like a desk. I need like an entire like water bottle, coffee cups, cell phones, used tissues. Anyway, and um, I'm not as tall as the guys, so we had to, I don't know what they did with it. Thank you guys for hunting me down something shorter because the other podium literally comes up to like here on me. And, and I feel like a little kid at a dining table, like, hello, up above that. So we're, we're experimenting with something different today. I appreciate y'all's uh, patience with that. Oh, my word. That video. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck a little bit. Like, it just got me. It was so beautiful. I have to tell you that one of the most favorite things Brad and I have ever done is having Fridays on the farm, which... Um, we did for months and months and months, um, and really, the reason that we grew out, we quit doing it regularly is that we outgrew our home. Um, we just love children, all the children, and and they just don't fit in our home with all of us at the same time. So I'm praying about that. I have this thought that one day maybe the Lord would let us, you know, expand that a little bit. Um, I laugh because I would love to own one of those huge tents like you see at like a, a, a car sales show or like a, a carnival. And like we just throw everybody under a ginormous tent in the front of the five acres. But until, you know, that... We have, we've had to limit the times we have things out of our house until it's just smaller groups. But one of the things I want to do this fall is actually do a time of, of people just coming out and do some bonfires and roasting marshmallows and just hanging out, um, some hangout times for the families. So if you guys would be interested in that, um, hit me up at some point, let me know. Um, we'll, be, we'll plan on that sometime once it actually is not 95 degrees outside at the end of September. God and I have been having words about that one lately. Um, I'm praying over next Sunday. I need you all to pray with me. Friday is supposed to have a um, lovely cool streak move in, and Sunday morning has 30% chance of rain. That's not much, but y'all, we're like in this drought where we haven't had rain in several months, so 30% rain could be like 100% by Sunday morning. So we're just going to pray that the Lord keeps the cool weather and pushes that rain off to like Monday, right? Can you guys pray with me about that? I believe he listens to his people when we pray, which is me jumping into our family values. So Brad has been doing um, the last couple of weeks, let me see how I can get this here, a series um, that we've been talking about a lot at our house, um, because it's fun when you live with the pastor, you talk church a lot. And so, but we've been talking a lot about it because one of the things that we get to do here is talk in a way that about certain things that probably we won't get to talk about in the same way in the future because what we're doing here is creating culture, right? So y'all are like the mamas and the papas, which instantly makes me think of like the... (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we're, we're like going, I know I see giggles out there, but we are, we're like the moms and the dads, and we're setting the culture for King's Church for the future, and so we're going to declare things over each other, over our body, like encouragement, we want to be an encouraging people, and bold, we want to be a bold people that jump in and do the hard when the hard needs doing, but is also boldly loving, right, and we just jump in and we do life together, and I know that that is your your heart too. And I know that I am. Um, I usually sit back with the kids doing the art tables with them on the fifth Sundays or during the summer. It's one of my favorite times. When I realized today I was going to be up here, I was slightly disappointed because I love you guys, but I love your children. I love them. And getting to hear how they process the sermons up here is amazing. Like they gather things out of it and think of things that I never would have thought of. So feel free to, to ask them about it later. Pick their brains and see what, they, what they've heard. Um, because as they're coloring, they're hearing. And maybe probably sometimes better than we do. So if you need a coloring sheet, feel free. I think there's clipboards somewhere. Miss Christie's up here. You know, Pastor Christie is sitting up here painting away. So she's going to process really well. This morning too. Thank you, Christy, for painting while I'm while I'm sharing my heart. So today we're talking about the word generosity, and here's the idea behind generosity. Um, I struggled a little bit with this this week. Like, really, is that the key word? Is that kind of one of the ones that I want to stick down one day? Like, put a pin in it, and this is the word, because my heart wanted to stay say stewardship, but I felt like this expressed better what I wanted to do with our stewardship than just the word stewardship, that we are to be a generous people. And so I'm talking individually that we have good news to share. That's what generosity is, right? We have something good to give away to share with other people. Um, So I'm talking individually, but I think it is especially important, since we're the mamas and the papas sitting here, that we understand this corporately, So it's an individual mandate that we're going to live generous lives, but we're going to be a generous people. Does it make sense? All right. And um, I think that we want to be a generous generation that sets up future generations for a blessing and a bounty that they are ready to give away. Can you all do that with me? Can we, can we commit to walk in this? It's going to get a little hard here in just a minute, but we're, we're going to do this. So I'm sitting on this stage right here. A stage that Brad mentioned this earlier, I don't deserve, y'all. I have, I have done nothing to deserve this platform or this stage. Um, most of us have done nothing in this room, most of us. Some of us have worked very, very hard, but most of us have done nothing. We didn't build this building. We certainly didn't pay for the building of this building. And now we're here, and we take stewarding this place very, very seriously. The good news is behind the scenes, there is lots of talk about stewarding the building well. Lots of work that goes into that. Um, and if you haven't heard about it, you just wait because I'm sure somebody will ask you to help out about, with it at some point. But, um, but why? Why do we take stewarding it well? Why did God place us here? Why does it matter? It matters because corporately and individually, we matter to God. And God has put some specific measures in place for us to receive this blessing and for us to receive blessings in our individual lives. Much like this building is a huge blessing to King's Church, we want to corporately receive the blessing and keep it, but be ready to pass it on. 
Does that make sense? Are you all with me? You guys can make noise. It's okay. I have four kids. I'm used to talking through stuff. So (laughs) So here's my big idea for this morning. The first fruit blesses the rest. And where you lay your first fruits is your tithe. Let me say it again. The first fruits blesses the rest. And where you lay your first fruits is your tithe. Yep, we're going there this morning. We're going to talk about money a little bit. Not just money, but the heart. The biggest failure of humanity is our inability to trust God. Let's jump back into Genesis, right? That's why we sin, is a trust issue. That's why we steal, we lie, we cheat. (laughs) We don't really trust God to take care of our needs. In the Old Testament, God knew that he needed to address the trust issue. Y'all, I'm a teacher too, so I'm going to write and pen and we're going to talk this through because I don't want to skip some of the stuff that I really felt like the Lord was, was sharing with me this morning. So I'm just going to do that. If you have a Bible with you, if you get it out, we're going to actually jump around a little bit in the Bible. Um, you're more than welcome to use your app. Good luck. Your thumbs are going to get a workout. Um, and if you have anything to take notes on, You might want to pull some of that out, too, because we're going to probably be referring to this some in the future, but we're going to go back and forth here some, all right? In the Old Testament, God knew that he needed to address the trust issue as he formed the people of Israel. So he asked them to do something very difficult, to trust them with their very lives. He put in practice something called the principle of first fruits. I know you guys have probably heard of that before. But if you go to Deuteronomy 6, which we're not going to read all of that right now, you can check that out later, where God instructs his people to bring in the first of the harvest, whether it to be grain or fruit or livestock, and offer it as a sacrifice to him. This was their offering to God. It was their tithe. This showed that they were fully dependent upon him. So what was so meaningful about this? Because it's easy to give away what you have in the plenty. It is, isn't it? Is it not easy to give a little bit extra if you have plenty of it? So um, in the summers, my second daughter, Josie, has a super, super soft, gentle heart for those people that are standing outside with the water bo- with the uh, signs, right? And so a couple of years ago, she started getting us to buy a case of water bottles so we could hand water bottles out to the people there, which is easy for me to do, right? I've bought a case. There's a case of water bottles in the back. I just, I can hand it out, and um, they get water, and Josie feels less panicked about the person sitting at the corner. It's a win-win in that. We usually pray over them in our car and, and move on. But if I pull up, and I have one water bottle, and it's 95 degrees outside, and my air conditioning in my, my Suburban isn't working, I probably would need to think a little bit harder about handing off that water bottle. I don't know. What about you guys? Is it easy? Do you guys just hand it away? It's easy to give when we have plenty. But to give the first of something, like he's saying here, to give the only of something, like he's saying here, there's no guarantee for more to come. He was saying to give the first, right? He's saying to give what you don't have promise of on the rest, God says, trust me to provide for you even when you can't see the full harvest. Trust me with the first and I will bless the rest. Trust me with the first and I'll bless the rest. So going back to my big idea for today, the first fruit blesses the rest. All right, it's a little sing-songy. You know, I'm going with teaching kids on the side too, so y'all can, can live with that. Again, I'm talking about about the importance of being in a corporate body as well as the individual. The corporate is really only as strong as the individuals in it. It really is. 
those of us that are the most broken, that's like our median line. It really is. It's not those that are the best at this. It's the most broken of us. Um, So we're going to look at a few different places where the Lord talks about this. Um, and I'm going to look at it in a different way. I've, I've heard a lot of sermons over the years of just tithing and people kind of just banging it out. But I want to look at it a little different. We're going to read Isaiah 61. Can you do that with me? Let's look that up. It's a little bit long. We have it up here. Up here it's in the NLT. In my Bible, I have the ESV here. I tend to go between these two. It's some of my favorites. Um, just for Meg, um, but we're going to start with the NLT, so feel free to go along with what you have, and yeah, we're going to read the whole thing, all right? I should have asked anybody to volunteer to read for me today, and I didn't, so sorry. Pull up those glasses. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. Do you guys agree with that? Are we ready to bring good news to the poor? Awesome. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim the captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He doesn't say if, he says will. It will happen. He has sent me to tell those who mourn at the time of the Lord's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, a festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them. Through the, though they have been deserted for many generations, Foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flock and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. You will be called a priest of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the riches of the nations and boast of their riches instead of shame and dishonor. You will enjoy a double portion of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. Oh man, I love Isaiah 61. I love it. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and will make an everlasting covenant with them. Which of you guys want to live in the covenant of the Lord? Look, I mean, he's like giving us all these blessings here, right? He's going to do all these things and he's going to make an everlasting covenant with us. Their descendants, starting over here, their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are a people and the Lord has blessed. I am overwhelmed with the joy of my Lord, for he has dressed me in the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding, or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of the Lord, and everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring, with plants springing up everywhere. I remember when I moved to Kentucky, one of the things that struck me the, the hardest, having moved here from a, a high desert land, um, that had green if you were beside a creek or a river. The rest of it is, is shades of browns and taupes and, and maybe some purples. Um, but, but the greens were beside the river. When I moved to Kentucky, in the winter, everything is brown. Like it goes really brown for the most part, unless you're where they've planted the weird grass. 
And I don't know what that is that never goes brown. Have you guys seen that? It's like always green, but it kind of looks fake, but it's real. So I don't know what that is. There's chemicals involved. But the rest of Kentucky goes completely brown. And then spring starts to happen, right? And it goes so green. And you're like, oh, this is lush. This is beautiful. It happens every spring for me. I think it's time to clear out the flower beds to get ready for like a a garden or, or the fresh potting of flowers and all of that. And it just keeps getting green and then greener and greener and greener. And by July or August, you're like, we live in the middle of like a tropic forest, Like, the weeds get bigger. The forests get so thick, you couldn't even walk through parts of the areas. I mean, it just, like, keeps growing, keeps getting greener. It doesn't plateau at that pretty level. It just keeps going. But by winter, it's all died off again. But it's the cycle of, at some point around the 1st of August, I'm really kind of done with the weeds and the weed eating and all of that. Because where I grew up at home, it's starting to get chilly by then and you're done. You've put in all your summer hours working on stuff, and you're done. But here, we still have like two or three more months of gardening. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've been here eight years. I don't know how long it's going to take me to, to get used to that. I, w- I wish I was faster. But his righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with go- plants springing up everywhere. So I want to ask the Lord for this. I want you to ask with me that we would be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. Our family changing generations for generosity. I'm going to trip on that every time. But our family, King's Church, changing generations for generosity. Y'all, we may not ever see the fruit of that. We may never see the ability to sit in the shade of that. But we are going to plant the seeds that these kids and their children have the ability to live in a boldness, in an encouraging area, and in a family that is determined to steward well and steward through being a generous people. So what is the opposite of generosity? What is that? It's selfishness, right? The opposite of generosity is selfishness. And God has been working out selfishness from the very beginning. (laughs) From the very beginning. God takes the idea of first fruits and tithe very seriously. In fact, we see it in this. What does he call it? He calls it mine, mine. All right, so I have four kids. And almost exclusively across the board, one of the first words they learn after they get down the couple of the simples, whether it was Darcy, which was our dog at the time, or mama, or daddy. I don't think there was a mama, y'all. But there was a dog, and there was daddy, and there were several other words, and then there was mine, mine. Like a kid gets it from the very beginning. That's mine. That's mine. And you still driving along. I will hear the little ones in the back fighting back and forth. But they actually aren't even like pulling something back and forth. It's like that song is mine to sing. You're not allowed to sing it. Like the most random things that they they like decide that this is mine and you can't like come near it. And it's not even theirs to own in the first place. They've just decided it was theirs because apparently they have the right to do so. And at some point in there, I just want to be like, silence, no talking. So the Lord calls the tithe or the first fruits mine. He says, this is mine. (laughs) Uh, The kids that want to hoard every scrap of paper and every little treasure, he understands it. And he's saying, that's mine, 
don't take what is mine. He wants us to understand that he turns our selfishness into gain through the first fruits mentality. It's part of our redemption story. Long before the cross, there was that first declaration of this is mine. And if you follow and give me what is mine, blessings and redemption happen. So I don't know if they got this up here, but there was a little poem. I don't know if it got into the system or not, because it's easier to see. Yeah, okay. I don't know who wrote it. I found it in a book this week that I was, or last week that I was reading. And so I loved it because it takes us from belief to destiny. And I was like, oh, this is good. So I'm going to read it. If you sow a belief, you reap a thought. That makes sense, right? If you sow a thought, you reap an attitude. So we can feed healthy thoughts, healthy attitudes, but we can also do the opposite, right? If you sow an attitude, you reap an action. If you sow an action, you reap a habit. If you sow a habit, you reap character. And if you sow character, you reap a destiny. Ah, that's what I'm really talking about here, y'all. Generosity is where we're going to have a belief system that says we're going to be a generous people and we're going to have a destiny that the Lord can use. And that's how we're going to get there, right? So I believe in this. I thought I read this somewhere else this week that Jesus was God's tithe. And it kind of blew my mind. I really never thought of it that way. But a clean lamb who was slain for the redemption of all those unable to redeem themselves. When looking at the tithe, it's easy to think about money. But let's look a little bit deeper. We have to give our first fruits, our offerings, our tithes before we see the blessings of God. We give it in faith. God, I'm going to give you the first and trust you to redeem the rest. None of this has changed over the generations. None. In fact, if we look at Malachi 3 6, is that up here? Da 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 da. I love like, how this works. It'll be nice when all three work again. Yes or no? Malachi 3 6. All right, the rest of y'all, why don't we move there? I stuck a sticker in my, my Bible. You guys didn't get it. I'll give you just a second. We're going to do just 3.6. We'll come back to parts of it later. Malachi 3.6. <laughs> right there at the beginning, I underlined it in my Bible. For I, the Lord, do not change. I do not change. Now, I'll say this, Brad preached last week on boldness and coming before the Lord and crying out and asking him to change and to heal. And he does change his mind, right, at times because he does step in and heal. He does move mountains when we ask. But there are principles that he talks about. These are the principles that do not change. Do we understand the difference there? I don't want you to come to me later and be like, well, Brad said something last week and yeah. Work with me. So we're to give God several areas, but we're going to just talk through three really fast. One is time. Time. So this is in Exodus 23. Can you guys go there? Exodus 23. Exodus 23:19. As you harvest your crops... Bring the very best of the first harvest to the house of the Lord. So it's as you're doing it. It doesn't say when you're done doing it. It's as you're doing it, in the process of doing it. I love it in the other version I have here. The best of the first fruits of your ground shall you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So I love that. The tithe is always brought into the house of the Lord. 
So for our family here that we're talking, we're talking about King's Church, that the tithe is brought into the house of the Lord here um, because that's the family that you've committed to if you're part of our family. So he says here, um, as you harvest it. So we are to take the time to do that. We have to be purposeful with it. We can't just, you know, willy-nilly choose at some point to do it. We purposefully do it. In the same way, y'all, coming to church at the first of the week is also a way of tithing our time. Did you know that? So it's seven days a week. On Sundays, we come to church. It's a way of giving the Lord the first of your time. We set apart time to worship and to listen to him, to be in corporate community and in private community. So sometimes we have time where we're all together like this, and then other times we're praying together and spending time one-on-one. And even that is holy, because we've set aside our mourning to come into the house of the Lord. We're tithing part of our time. So if we go with this, and we separate, and we give him the first of our time, and we believe he will redeem or bless the rest, Y'all, I've met people who are like, when I committed to go to church regularly, I saw my life change. Well, if we go back to that little poem from earlier, of course you did. Of course you saw your life change because you start to adapt your mind and your thoughts and your beliefs to the people that you're around. And where do you spend most of your time? If we spend most of our time on a screen or a TV or, or in books, then we adapt our mentality to what we spend time with. But when we choose to start the beginning of our week here, and it's not, it's not easy. It isn't. I have four kids, and, and y'all, I totally understand all the stuff. I understand the illnesses. I'm not saying bring your kids sick unless you know the Lord's healing them as you walk in those doors, because otherwise you'll probably get a call from Miss Christie saying, <clears throat> you spread blank through everywhere. No, I'm kidding. There's grace. But... But we do take that stuff seriously, right? But when we can, we commit to be part of the body of Christ. And that's why I'm saying we're talking about some stuff here as the mamas and the papas that, that's a little harder when you grow really big. But because we're setting the course right now, we're talking about, I know every time I say it, I giggle. Um, but we're setting the course right now of the character of King's Church. We want this to be a character characterized by people who gather together on purpose regularly, Okay. Going back to Malachi 3, really fast, if we keep moving through, at the end of 7, it says, return to me and I will return to you, okay? Jumping down to 8. I'm kind of just pulling out some spots. You guys can actually, oh, you got it up and running. Praise Jesus. All right, let's read this. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has cheated me. Ouch. I'm going to read on here. I didn't tell you all this earlier. Sorry, up there. I'm just going to read it. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby putting me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you a blessing until there is no more need... Oh, my word. No more need. Can you guys imagine your lives overflowing to such a point that you would say there's no more need? I mean, that, that's a big step, right? And, and this is some, some hard truths this morning because I don't know. There are areas of my life that I'm like, can I really say that there would be a point where I'd say no more need? Hmm. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field, and it shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, 
for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So where I went with this with the idea of our time is there is still work to be done. He doesn't say, bring me the first bit of it and then lay back and just watch what I do. Down in there, he says, um, it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear. I mean, you're still working it. There's work to be done. And as we do that work, he is blessing us in the work that we're doing. Whether that's corporately, prepping for our parties or, or just prepping for worship, taking care of the kids. Those of you that volunteer in the back with the children, that's a whole set of tithe that I, I think should be like extra rubies on your crown and, and just, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to be able to give to the kids. It's not always easy, but it's beautiful. So the second area is the most obvious for most of us when we talk about tithe. It's our money, right? So let's go to Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. I love it when somebody just jumps into one spot in the Bible and they're digging in on one thing. But I just wanted us to look at like a mirage of different verses because the Lord is very consistent. He says the same thing all over. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. And then he will fill your barns with grains and your vats with overflow with good wine. Well, maybe just good musicians. You need a few more musicians, right? One day, a bass guitarist, we're praying. I don't know if we need the wine, but, but the bass guitarist would be good. Honor the Lord with your wealth. So we're going to honor him by giving him what is his. When he says, this is mine, we're not going to steal it from him and keep it from him. All right, let's go to Leviticus 27. Look, y'all, I'm just like, I don't know how many of you guys are actually in the book going back and forth, but I thank you if you are. Leviticus 27, you know, it's pretty early in the Bible. It's not hard to get to. Genesis, Exodus, yep, 30. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the field or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart for him as holy. All right, so this is what got me as I've been praying through this recently. Ready? A true tithe is that which is spent first. Do you understand it? That's a little bit hard. Let's say it again. A true tithe, a true tithe, is that which is spent first. A godly tithe is that which is spent first and brought into the storehouses of the Lord, meaning it's given to the church. This provides the ability for the church to be the community center of the body. It, is, it, it has the blessing of the Lord on that because the people are being obedient right? Corporately, we're being obedient. Those that work for the church one day in the future <laughs> are able to give more of their time to more ministry, and the body grows as it is well-tended and watered. Now, we're speaking in the future, right? We're speaking on how many churches, most churches, do church. I struggle when I hear pastors and or lay people in a church talk about those who are working in the church as hirelings because it's an anointed position from the Lord first. And secondly, if there is money that's attached to it, what it does is that it gives the ability for that person or that family to give more of their time to the church, right? So you're going to spend your time one way or the other. You spend your time working for a business or doing that, or you can spend your time working for the church and doing that. So as, 
King's Church grows, our heart is that we can give more of our money to our staff so that they can give more of their time to the church. Does that make sense? Because those are positions that the Lord has put in place, first and foremost. We can get a lot into that later, but that's how I feel. I feel very strongly about that. Because when I've heard people in the past talk about, well, they're, you know, just negative things, I just want to shut it down. Be like, this is from the Lord. This is from the Lord. So, we give our first of our tithes. We give the first and expect that his word is true, that he will then bless the rest. I have so many stories that I could just sit up here and share, and I won't. But if you haven't done this in your own life, or you meet somebody who hasn't done it, I would challenge you to just step out in faith. That's all I can really say about it, is that you have to just jump in. And when you're budgeting your money, most of the time it doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Giving 10% to something first doesn't make sense. And back in the day of writing all the checks out, it was a little bit easier because you could write your checks for your different bills and write your checks for that, and then you, you did it all. And I'm not being a legalistic saying, oh, you actually have to write the check first or, or you have to get on and do the, the credit card thing first, although I will say, I don't know if it's a credit card, you know what I'm talking about, the debit withdrawal, that makes it super easy because there's like no going back, and that's what we do. Like when we get paid from a client, <laughs> Brad just gets online and he sends it off. And, and, and that's just, that's our commitment to our family. That's how we do it. Because then there's just not a, there's not a second guessing. This is, this is what we do. This is how we do it. But the hard part of that is what has occurred to me recently, much like when I've shared about actually using the real Bible at home, my kids don't see me write the check. My kids don't see me put something into an offering plate that's being passed every week. There's a missing element there that in our church traditions, currently, we've stepped away from. It's fine, but now I need to be really intentional that I'm teaching this to my children at home, right? I have to know that I'm making it a purpose, that they know this is something that we do. And here's why. Because not only does our time matter the Lord, that we tithe our time, and not only do we tithe our money, We tithe our family, y'all. We tithe our family. The first of our family is also given back to the Lord. When I said that earlier, I wasn't kidding that Jesus was God's tithe. There is always the the spotless, blameless lamb that has to redeem the rest. Always. And each of us have been in a position of needing redemption. Redemption. And needing to know how are we redeemed. And and he died for us. So thankfully, we don't offer our children in the same way. Does that make sense? We don't. But we do need to teach them and dedicate them to the Lord. And make sure that they understand that these are life truths. That when they walk in, the generations that we walk in, there is a blessing for the generations to the future. Okay? That may be a little confusing, maybe a little rambly, but... Live with me here for a second. Let's jump into Exodus 13, 2. Well, I'll just look there. A dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites. The firstborn offspring to be born, both humans and animals, belong to me. All right? It's because of the whole idea of the firstborn. Um, so I love it. I love this story, and it kind of illustrates in a little bit of teaching this to the children. 
uh, Catherine and William Booth. You guys familiar with their names? Okay. They were the, the, the ones who started the Salvation Army from the very beginning. They are the ones who, who did that. But they did some very, very specific things in their family. They had nine kids. Eight of them were natural born to their home, and they had an adopted son, which makes me love them even more. And uh, they raised their nine kids, Catherine especially, especially took this seriously. She raised her nine kids and her family, and then they literally raised an army. So here we talk a lot about raising our family first, doing family first, and then raising the army, but she really did. (laughs) They raised their family, and then they started the army, the Salvation Army. Catherine Booth and her family um, just took that calling so seriously. Um, I read a passage written by one of their daughters, um, and I think her name may have been Catherine also, so I think she went by Katie or something like that. But she actually, the book is called, or the passage out of the book was called, To Whom Does the Child Belong?, And it's a passage reminding parents that a true and godly upbringing has one goal, one goal, and that is to raise true and godly disciples of Christ. Now, she was a minister as well. Uh, Katie was, if I'm using the right name. If I'm not, you guys look it up, so sorry. But she was a minister as well, and she was getting a little pushback because she would dedicate babies to the Lord, and and at the time they would, I guess, um, I don't know, sprinkle or something like that and uh, with water and dedicate them to the Lord. And there was a family that she had refused to dedicate, in fact, several families, and she was getting pushback from it. And she said, I can't do it because I know that they aren't actually dedicated to raising disciples for Christ. And she took it that seriously. There was a line in the sand that until the parents kind of got their act together and decided to walk in that, she was not going to step into that role with the parent, outside the parents' blessing and their obedience. Does that make sense? So I'm not saying we're doing that. I just thought they took it so seriously that they were intentionally passing on the good news to others, that the families had to do that within their church together. Um, I've shared this story before, but it's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite quotes that we've taught our children. It's how I've prayed over my kids since they came into our family. Um, But Catherine Booth would take all of her nine kids, their little faces, every single night. goes back to that poem earlier. And this is what she said. She said, you are not here in the world for yourself. You have been sent here for others. The world is waiting for you. And she did it every night that she was home with those kids for all nine of those children. And almost every one of those kids went into full-time ministry as adults. She knew she was dedicating her children back to the Lord and that there would be fruit from that. Sometimes when we dedicate, hard stuff happens. It just does. But it doesn't mean that we're not called to tithe and to dedicate our children to the Lord too. Does that make sense? Proverbs 3, 11 through something or other. (laughs) I think it's 11 through 13. There we go, yeah. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you. For the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects the child in whom he delights. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. We are called to raise our children and to give them to the Lord and to make sure that they know from an early age this isn't an option in my family. It isn't an option. When you turn 18 or when you move out from this house, you can make the choices that you want to make. But as long as you are under my home and under my blessing, this is what our family does. 
But the cool thing is, again, I'm not just talking individual families, I'm talking corporately, that we look at each other as King's Church and say, this is not an option for us. We are going to dedicate our children to the future. We're going to raise them to know that the blessing that they have inherited, just like we have been given this building, that they have to steward it well in generosity by giving back to the Lord what is his so that they can retain the blessing for the future. Does it make sense? Lots of serious faces looking at me right now. It's okay. Maybe you guys are processing. I pray that's what's going on. So let's look at another a section here. Romans 11, starting at verse 16. And since Abraham and the other patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy. Ooh, can we be a holy people so that we can claim our descendants will be holy? Holy means what's set apart, right? We're just going to intentionally do things differently than the world around us because he's telling us to do so. That's what obedience is, right? So we're going to do it. Um, since Abraham and the other eight patriarchs were holy, their descendants will also be holy, just as the entire batch of dough is holy, because the portion given to the offering is holy. For if the roots of the tree are holy, the branches will be too. Ooh, I love that. I love that. The branches will be too. All right, can you keep going? Because I actually have through 22 here. But, can you see that? Okay. But some of these branches from Abraham's trees, some of the people of Israel have been broken off. And you Gentiles, those of you who were branches from a wild olive tree, have been grafted in. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised. That's us, y'all. Most of us, some of you guys might be original. I, I don't know about that, but I am not. So now you also receive the blessing God has promised Abraham and his children, sharing with a rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. Keep going. But you must not brag about being grafted in or replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not a root. Well, you may say those branches were broken off to make room for me. Yes, but remember, those branches were broken off because they didn't believe in Christ. And you were there because you do believe. So don't think highly of yourself, but fear what could happen. For if God did not spare the original branches, he won't spare you either. Notice how God is both kind and severe. He is severe towards those who disobeyed, but kind to you if you continue to trust in his kindness. But if you stop trusting, you also will be cut off. Man, y'all, I don't want my kids to be cut off. I don't want my family to be cut off. I don't want my church to be cut off, y'all. Because I think we all can think of instances where we know of families, individuals, churches who have cut themselves off in death loomed not far ahead. Spiritual death, emotional death, physical death. We need to be grafted in. He wants to be in relationship with us, one that cannot be if we're not made righteous. I love it. I, I was reading, I've struggled with the word righteous for years. Like, what is that? And a simple definition I read was the desire to have right living before God. It's like, oh, that simplified it for me. All right, I love righteousness now. That, that really kind of changed it for me. And how, look at how closely when we were reading that, that it tied back to what we read in Isaiah 61, right? The Lord does not change. He wants us to change. So that's the principle of first fruits. 
in order to help us move back into full trust with God and his ability to bless us through our trust, we must give all of ourselves to him. Y'all, so many of you guys, this is where you are. I love it. I love it. That's why you're here is because you have jumped in and you know this. But the reason I'm saying this, again, is that we are creating a culture of King's Church. And this is what we say to others that come in. Oh, you want to be part of King's Church? Awesome. We welcome you in. And this is who we are. Does that make sense? So we have a choice every day. Do we trust God with our money? I don't need to see your bank account, your checkbook, or your debit card. God already does. The word is clear. Bring your tithes into the house of the Lord. It will only bring you blessing when you do that with the first fruits. It will only bring you blessing. If you want to talk to me more about that later one-on-one, it's perfectly fine. I have no problem talking to you about that. But I can tell you again and again and again, as Brad and I have been leaders in different churches and leaders in different places, and we've, we've shared um, Dave Ramsey thought. In fact, y'all, we're probably going to work on doing some, some uh, what is that called, money makeovers. Financial peace, thank you, in the future, because we believe in it. We believe in it. But we have walked through when people started doing things differently and their lives completely changed and their minds were blown away at what started happening. I mean, I I have places where people suddenly decided to like completely go out of debt and sell their homes and rent for a year or two years. And then they were like, Lord, what are you doing? And the Lord opened up for a much nicer home to be bought in the future after they'd gotten rid of all their debt. But do you know what the first step was? They started tithing. They started bringing their money, because that's society we live in, into the house of the Lord and giving it. And their attitude and their thoughts and their destiny for their future generations began to change. He's also clear that we give our time to him. So how do we spend our time? Do we come here first week? Well, you guys did. You guys came in and you have given the first of your week to the Lord. So I'm going to pray a blessing over you before we go. I believe the Lord blesses that. But also, sometimes we have to sacrifice a little bit to commit to the body, right? So there may be an area that the Lord's calling you to step into, to volunteering or to be part of something or doing something differently. Many of you do, and I'm looking at our core right here. So I'm looking at, and I know many of you are involved and give of yourself to this body, Um, outside of Sunday mornings. I know that, and I want to say, good job. Like, I feel like the Lord looks down and says, like, good job, dear and faithful friend. I love it. Maybe he's asking you to step in and do more or to start something for the first time. It's not always easy either, but I think it's also a mandate that he owns our time, a mandate for our good as we give the first of our week over to God and we can expect a blessing for the rest. And last, like we talked about here a lot, we're building a family, a family first and then an army. We must teach our children, these beautiful boys and girls over here, I love and hated and loved that it was the fifth Sunday today, that these kids over here have to know about the terms tithing and fasting and set it up, being set apart or holy They have to know these terms. They need to know them so that when they read the holy word of God, that they understand what's being said. And we teach these in our homes so that when they come here on Sundays, they get it. 
and it starts to make its way in. It will change the generations in the future for King's Church and for our own families when we declare no more to corporate greed or sin and individual greed or sin. All right, I'm almost done, y'all. You guys have been patient and kind. and Most of you guys have smiled at me most of the time. <laughs> I have a story here. So there's a video that came out 20 years ago, maybe 22 now. Oh, the name of the video just went away. Transformations, thank you. I know Marcy and I were part of a a little women's small group for a while um, that I hit just at the end of its lifespan wish. I think that's where I first met you, Marcy. And, um, And we got to watch part of this Transformations video. It is on Facebook. It is like 22 years old, so it's not in high definition. Not Facebook. What am I saying? YouTube. It's on YouTube. Um, and you can look it up. But it, it's a beautifully done, done video. I happen to actually see an update about one of the towns it mentions in this transformation video not long ago. And it just captured me because I was like, oh, my word, this is us, y'all. This is us right here, okay? So Guatemala used to be a place that tons of people went to adopt babies from, Right? And then they shut their doors. In fact, I had some friends who had already adopted one baby from Guatemala. And y'all, they had a baby in Guatemala that was part of their family, had been promised to them, and they were supposed to travel to go get he or she, I don't know. And those doors shut. And it cut that. They weren't allowed to adopt that baby. I mean, there was heartbreak happening when that happened. But Guatemala had become so dangerous with the drug cartel and all the different things going on and and so corrupt, corrupt from the inside and corrupt from the outside that all sorts of mess went down, right, with all of that. But there was a town called Almago... I'm going to say it wrong. I knew it. I've practiced it so many times for this morning, (laughs) y'all. Almalongo. There we go. Almalongo. It's a little city... Um, in South America, it's gorgeous. There are these really, really high mountaintops. It's like a high valley uh, mountain, right? And in the middle is like this valley. And it's not a very big valley, but there's like 20,000 people that live in this little valley. And I was thinking the town I'm from has like 7,000 people in the valley. And, and I can't, I mean, it's very tight. So there's a lot of people in a little space, right? And this place, 20 years ago, decided to declare war on poverty and alcoholism and on a mentality of an orphaned people. They decided no more on this. And uh, they had like such an issue with alcoholism, adultery, witchcraft, sorcery. I mean, it occupied the town. People bringing, literally bringing gifts and sitting at the feet of this uh, image. And um, in a swoop of the Lord, after a long time, number of years of just praying and fasting by a group of people, over 80% of this town came to the Lord. I guess I should actually say like little city. 80% came to know, and they said no more. They began to corporately band together, and they were like, we're going to change what's happening in our town. And I read a couple quotes about that. So I'd encourage you guys can go look it up later and see the whole, the whole thing. It's beautiful. But this was actually on Public Radio International, like PRI. I can't sing it, but PRI International in 2016. They went back and looked at the town again, okay? And they're like, so 20 years ago, there's a documentary. Now we're at like 20 years later. What's going on? And they said this. So now the idea is to explain that alcoholism doesn't affect just one person, but it affects the family and society at large. 
And that's how they decided to look at it. Each of the churches, each of the individuals, they started teaching that. This isn't a private decision. Just because you drink, not you personally, Betsy, but just because you drink, it's not about you. You're affecting all of us. The decisions that you are making is going on and affecting our entire culture. All of us are affected by you. You have to stop this. And then they gave the good news to the Lord, and people got saved and felt convicted and quit drinking. And this is on public radio. I was, like, so excited. And then they went on to say another quote. The evangelicism, I'm not going to say that word right. It's long, y'all. Has given many of the town's residents a powerful identity, one that makes them think the answer to any ongoing problem is simply more of what they've already got. An evangelical faith. Simply more. There's a problem, I just need more of the Lord. There's a problem, I go to the Lord first, more. I do it more. I fast more. I seek more. I share more. He's not less. I need him more. I loved it. They gave credit to God for not only changing their families and the town, but get this, are you guys ready? It changed their land. The Lord literally started healing their land. What was a dry and desert area between these two mountains, and the mountains were dry as well, the Lord, literally, it started changing. They have no, no way of figuring out what happened. But there were rivers and rain that started coming out of these mountains into this low-lying land and made this just a beautifully fertile volcanic soil that is lush and started growing things that they can't explain, and growing at unprecedented rates. They said 40 years ago, before all this took place, they were taking out one truck of, of, of like carrots and produce a month to go to sell, one truck a month. Within 20 years of that, they were doing 60 a week. And they were blown away. And this was at the time of the, the video. They were doing 60 a week. And, and they were shocked how much. So the updated videos that I was watching, they do 60 a day. 60 a day. Full-size produce that's coming out. And y'all, the carrots are like this big and this big around. I mean, they, they're just like, this is crazy. So I don't have any idea. I don't know if they're using fertilizers. There's a lot of thought. Like, what's going on? It doesn't matter. The principle to me is that really where they go back to it is that the alcoholism has completely dropped. They call it the city of little churches. The cities around it and the towns around it, which are just the same as they are, have not fully understood or can't, can't describe what's going on there. It stands out they are different. They are set apart than the area around them. Regardless of how we feel about it all, one thing is clear. These people live differently than the surrounding counties or country, and it shows in healthy ways and areas of blessing. So God says this, trust me to provide for you, even when you can't see the full harvest. Trust me with the first and I'll provide the rest. So I said at the beginning, I'm sitting here at a little tiny cute podium. I think it was probably a youth podium at some point because it's all written on up here. On a stage with microphones and screens and a whole lot of wiring that, that we didn't put in so we don't always know how to fix it when something goes wrong. Praise Jesus, he's giving everybody on the sound team, just, just keep praying for the sound team. He gives them wisdom when I'm just like, I have no idea. But we didn't do any of this. You know what we did buy? We, we bought this Bose speaker, but we didn't actually even buy that. That was bought for us by some of our, our greatest friends and support and, and people that pray for you guys on a daily basis. They bought us that. 
which is awesome. We get to use it. Is that what we're using today to actually speak out of? I don't know. The lights are on. Um, Somebody else, another church in Mississippi that are close to our hearts that love you guys dearly bought us the keyboard. Is that the keyboard they bought us? But we haven't done anything up here, y'all. We haven't bought a microphone. We haven't bought a pew. We, we just ordered our first light bulbs so that this will work again. But the Lord's placed us here. But what do we have to do to be able to stay here, guys? Because I don't want to be foolish enough on my own to think, I earned it. Or it's going to stay. Because life is not static, y'all. You're either living or you're dying. You're either growing or you're heading towards death. There's only two options, right? They say that the human body at about 28 starts to head towards death. That's a really slow decline for the next, like, you know, 75 years. But, or whatever. I mean, it's just, but that's what they say. Like, we kind of hit this peak. And from there on, it's like a slow, and so we have to work for it after that, right? Like, when you hit midlife, apparently, it's a little harder to lose some, some weight. I got told a couple of years ago that my eyesight was changing some. Brad's eyesight's been changing some. We're kind of in the middle of glasses issues where they don't work so well right now. I kind of need both. See you guys and this. And, and I go back to the doctors and they're just like, you know what? In the next couple of years, it'll change more and then we can fix it. But right now, you just have to get used to taking on and off for a while. It's just the way life is. But I have a responsibility in the middle of all this to keep my body healthy, to keep my mind healthy, to keep my church healthy. And for us to look at each other at the very beginning of this and say, we're going to create a culture on purpose that gives. And then we're going to celebrate the giving. We celebrate the blueberry muffins out front every morning. Praise Jesus for the blueberry muffins. I mean, they really bless my heart every day. The coffee that's made, do y'all love the coffee? It doesn't just show up, praise They show up and they make the coffee. The sound system that's here, oh, it's a beautiful thing. Just, just look back and wave. Grace and Glenn aren't here today. Her mama was singing at a church somewhere, so they went to go support their family. But the sound guys, hint, hint, they need some extra help. I think you would be great to help them. Mm-hmm, yeah, you. And, and I think that, that we, need to, we need to step up a little bit. You know, there's some areas that they need a few extra men back there and women if you want to push a button and help me bring up slides at times. But we can step in and do this together, and it's a joy. And where it seems like this is hard, the Lord will bless us. He will. Where we feel like we have had to allow the Lord to cut something down in our lives, to cut things out, he will grow new and better things. Christy? Can you just slide yourself off to the side for a second? And sometimes it takes a while for it to come to fruition. It's a little bit like a work of art. You know, you have to start at the very beginning because I'm pretty sure it's the very best place to start. Just had to, y'all. Just had to. So practically, what are, I, what are we going to do? Where's Meg going with this? How am I going to land this plane that's already about 10 minutes too late? If you've not started giving (laughs) this kind of life, it's time to start. Would you join me on it? Let's walk in this together. Hey, Brian, I don't know where you are. Oh, there we go. Yep. It's time to do this together. If you're not tithing, please do it. I will say this. I've said it a zillion times. I have no idea who tithes and who doesn't tithe. I only say that. 
don't feel, wow, we're like going out all of a sudden. You don't feel like I'm picking on you because I don't know. I don't look. I don't have anything to do with it. What I can say is that corporately we are only as healthy as the individuals in it. And when we fast and we pray and we seek for the Lord to break down or move a mountain for us corporately, the individuals are really important. You matter to the health of this church. You do. That doesn't mean go somewhere else. It doesn't mean that you can't be a part of this body. Wherever you go, because the Lord says, find a body, be part of it, wherever you go, tithe to that body. Wherever your home church is, tithe to that body. But if you're here and you're committing to King's Church, tithe. And then watch what happens. I'm so excited about that part because I bet in six months we'll have stories. And at that point, shame is gone because you realize the freedom of what God is doing in your life. So join us in building this church and get involved, get in relationship, get in prayer. Our men's breakfasts and our ladies' breakfasts, those aren't clubs or just times to hang out. Those are heart bonding times where we can sit and hear one another. If you're not going to that, I'd encourage you to jump in. See where you can get to know the hearts of the people around you. We don't play games corporately on a game night just to play games. Y'all realize that, right? We laugh together. You know the story about those who, families that eat together, stay together, and why a dining table at a home is so important? Same thing. Same thing here. So next Sunday is our first Sunday, right? So we family feast, but this, this Sunday we are family partying. And we're opening our doors wide and saying, come eat with us, come party with us. So we need your help on that. I'm sure many of you are helping because Christy's already, she's been out there asking, I know. And so let's stop generational curses in our family and in the corporate church by living this lifestyle where your kids can and will see it. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. It doesn't. You can have grown kids. It will change their lives watching you be obedient. They see it anyway. You know that? So make sure they see the intentionality of being here and being a giving family because we are going to be generous together and we are going to have a heart of generosity because we are called not for ourselves but for others. And y'all, there's a world waiting for us, but first there's a city waiting for us. There are parts of Lexington that do not know the good news. They need to know it. And the only way they will hear about it and want to take part is you, asking and inviting. So let's have some family prayer time, all right? Let's have some family prayer time. Any words, thoughts? Please. We have a song here too is going to do, so. Can we, all, can we all stand? Can we stand and come forward? I mean, if you're not part of King's Church, I'd encourage you to come forward anyway because you're part of a church or a body or the body of Christ. But if you can, can we come down together and have family prayer time like we do in my home, in our living room in the fall? We start every fall off by doing family prayer time at night. It just changes the winter season. When I start to feel blue, I know that this is going to be the time that we just need to push in together.